Okay, so our reading today is the same reading every year in Pentecost. It is Acts 2, the first 21 verses. And so I'm going to read that to you, and this is our Pentecost reading. All right. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist." The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We hear the voice of God in these words. Thanks be to God. Whoa, I just read this. This is not like um, blood and fire and smoky mist. Sometimes hope can be found in unexpected things and unexpected places. And, um, you know, it's Pentecost Sunday, and we've been doing seven weeks of Eastertide leading up to this. We're past that now. We've done it. What we did for seven weeks, if you didn't know, we did the whole Karate Kid wipe on, wipe off thing on you. We've hunkered down and we've grappled and wrestled and as Matthew said last week, gotten scrappy and we have insisted on hope. Not just any hope, not the fluffy, platitude-filled kind that thinks resurrection happens on one Sunday every year, but hope as a continuum, a spiritual practice that is difficult but is ours 
for the taking. This is the kind of hope that we have fought hard for these last seven weeks. And my friends, this hope has prepared us for the present moment. It has cleared a space within each of us, empowering us to receive the fullness of Pentecost, which is to say, our ability to recognize and live into this, to the power of spirit in our bodies and in our lives. And I observe a lot from our reading today that can still teach us about what it means to live into this Pentecost posture. See, often we talk about the spirit of God within us, like we see at Pentecost, and we think about the implications of it in a really personal way. I know I have, and this is really important. It's important to reflect in this way, learning to see that you have spirit within you, learning to trust that truth and walk in it. It's a really important part of our inner work. It's so important. I've preached about it several times. But the communal significance of our Pentecost story is just as vital, possibly more so, and it's so relevant even as we continue to meet virtually as a community during this time. So in our story, they were all together, meaning this moment of spirit flow was not an isolated individualistic experience, but this receival of spirit was a collective experience. It involved everyone's participation, telling us there's no Pentecost without sacred community. It's also important to note that this occurrence was embodied. There were noise, movements, shaking. It wasn't metaphorical. It wasn't just emotional or spiritual. Pentecost was a physical bodily experience. And it should be the same for us in our time. Spirit poured out into each of us should be a bodily experience that physically changes our posture in the world that moves us beyond thoughts and prayers and gets our hands and feet dirty from resurrection work, liberation work, because what's the point of new life if it's not a free life? What's the point of a new life if it's not a free life? And remember, we're one. So if I'm not free, you aren't. And if you aren't free, neither am I. And this is important because Pentecost and the Pentecost moment was marked by inclusion. The spirit was poured out onto all people, empowering them to do the impossible. And in this case, that was speak other languages. But I don't think that it was the speaking in other languages that was so important as much as it was the fact that people who normally couldn't were able to understand each other. This is what happened at Pentecost. The usual progressive bent for Pentecost is a celebration of inclusion, right? No barriers. We've all got the spirit of God in us. Anybody can preach, everyone's equal. This is the picture of the kingdom, yet I have personally never ever heard a Pentecost sermon specifically focused on anti-racism. Have you? Why have I never preached one? <laughs> this is a problem. But I cannot ignore the implications of Pentecost, which always looks like a posture of inclusion. The text lays it out for us, this blueprint 
combined with what's happening in our country right now, the climate we're sitting in right now as yet another black man has been killed, another threatened in Central Park, riots are breaking out in cities across the U.S., the realities spanning the whole spectrum of what black people in this country have always experienced are before us now, clear as day, would we deny them? As a faith community, would we dare preach a watered down message of inclusion on Pentecost? Not here, <laughs> not today, not in this church. See, the spirit of Pentecost forces us to face the fact that we cannot separate our faith conversations from our decolonization and our anti-racist work. We can't separate it. And so, with this lens in front of us, the newspaper side by side with our Bibles, we look at the text today in which the Spirit prompts the ability for every person in the room to understand one another. I think this right here is our nugget of truth for today to ponder. Could it be that understanding one another is spirit work? I think yes. We cannot thrive in community if we don't include empathy and compassion into our work. If we don't seek to understand one another, our stories, our burdens, our traumas. But there's a problem. The problem is that we aren't sitting on level ground. The white people and the people of color in the room are not at the same starting point when it comes to understanding each other in this country. See, black people, indigenous people, people of color have to understand the dominant culture, which is to say white communities and people. We don't have a choice. We, we cannot navigate this society and do well unless we understand it. We aren't at the same starting point. We were born into the necessity of speaking another cultural language, knowing other norms, minimizing ourselves, and silencing our inclinations. And it takes a lot of energy, and we don't get it back. It's not reciprocal. We don't see white people in communities working so hard to understand us, and it, this is systematically built into every aspect of our society, politics, corporate America, the economy, the church, and the land itself. And this is what causes exhaustion all the way to oppression. The fact that one piece of society, the dominant culture, doesn't have to actually do any work to understand the other. It's totally optional. This is a huge problem. But Pentecost reveals to us the truth that not only is it our call to understand one another, but Spirit can and will empower us to do this next to impossible work. And this work is of utmost priority to God. It says in our reading that once the Spirit was poured out and everyone was speaking in different languages, what they were speaking of was God's deeds of power. This is what it was that everyone could understand. God's deeds of power. Everyone was given a spiritual enlightenment. Everyone could, was given a word from God. And so they understand not just one another, but also God. 
They were in tune with God's motivations and God's priorities. Now, we obviously don't know exactly what was said in this moment, but we do have an idea of God's priorities through the Word of God, the story of God, and we've got some experience sifting through this Word of God together, right? And we've got some experience living in this world. And from all of this experience, we have discovered that institutionalized religion will always be most concerned with sustaining power systems. This is just what institutions do. But we've also discovered that spirit-filled people who aren't dependent on the nature of institution are always more concerned with God's deeds of power. Not the power systems other people have created, but God's motivations and God's priorities. And in our Christian tradition, we understand God best through Christ and specifically through Christ's teachings. And if we want to sum them up, then we turn to the Beatitudes. And when we do, we see Jesus saying things like, blessed is the poor, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the weak. On and on he goes. In his most central teaching, Jesus takes his cues from the margins. And not just in this text, but in his whole life, in his ministry, in his miracles, And God does the same thing throughout the whole vein of scripture. God's constantly showing a special regard and giving preferential treatment to the marginalized and the vulnerable and the oppressed. And so we understand God's priorities, God's deeds of power, God's motivation in this way too, which means we cannot take off our race glasses and be colorblind at church or anywhere else. We can't do it ever, but especially not today. Are we really, really listening to people on the margins? If we were, if we were using our Pentecost postures, then we would be trying really hard, praying for Spirit's help and perseverance in understanding the most vulnerable in our society. And so of course right now, I'm looking at Black America I'm looking to the black communities grieving, to black mothers, to black men and women killed in the streets and in their own homes. I'm looking to the black rioters who have taken to the streets because kneeling wasn't enough. Nothing has been enough for the rest of us to really see their pain, their in, the inhumanity of their treatment over and over again. Are we trying to understand this? Are we trying to understand the lived experiences of these children of God? What would our words and actions look like if we really did? If you are a black and brown or brown person in our community, do you feel understood? Do you feel seen by Peace of Christ Church? Do you feel understood in society at large and in this country? A 110% yes would mean inclusion and anything less means we are falling short. We preach this Pentecost sermon every year. We preach and celebrate the inclusive nature of it, but are we living into it? Do we understand each other? Look, I know that there are other intersections here. I know that every one of us, no matter our skin color, have problems and burdens and traumas and pain But our country is in so much strife right now. 
we've got to place a microscope on race. We have to until something changes. And we must continue doing the work of self and communal examination. And Pentecost helps us to do this work because it prompts us to consider the questions, are we living into inclusion? Are we concerned with the priorities of God, which we can see through the teachings of the Beatitudes? Is our community marked by the happenings of Pentecost? Does it look like we've been transformed, like we've experienced the fullness of spirit poured onto each of us? Pentecost tells us that everyone will prophesy. Everyone will be truth tellers. And we are moving closer to this image. I really believe we are. But not until everyone can be a prophet, not just this one dominant narrative, but everyone will Pentecost be fulfilled in our time. This means that we center black voices so that black people are believed. Like their human dignity is inerrant to the point where women don't call the cops on them for nothing just because they can. Where black people aren't killed based on suspicion. Where black protest doesn't cause more anger than institutionalized brutality toward black bodies. When will black people and their everyday lived experience and the wounds they name and carry be believed in full? Not until everyone can be truth tellers will we be really truly living into the message of Pentecost and this is our work. This is why anti-racist work cannot be separated from our faith work. Leaning into both at the same time, this is the Pentecost posture. So at the end of our reading today, the last line, it says, all who call on God were saved. All who called on the name of the Lord were saved. And this is my hope and prayer for us too. May we be saved. May we be saved from every construct that binds us. Because Pentecost, like the rest of our faith tradition, is ultimately about liberation. And the God of Pentecost says, I'm pouring my spirit on all, despite language, which is to say race, gender, despite age. I'm not blessing these human constructs. I'm overriding them with my spirit. I'm empowering every one of you to do the same along the way. What do we need the power for? What do we need the spirit for if not to break down what God didn't build? Everyone is included in Pentecost. Everyone's given not a part, but the fullness of God's own spirit. And if our systems and our paradigms and our own inner workings don't reflect an acknowledgement of the other's Imago Dei, we dismantle and decolonize and reimagine and rebuild until they do. This is my prayer in the spirit of Pentecost and in the spirit of inclusion. May it be so. Amen.